Uh, my name is Paul Letvin. I'm one of two pastors here at Submerged Church. Co-pastor Bob is here, and uh, we're delighted to have you with us. If this is your first Sunday, welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, uh, God is doing great things in spite of what we see uh, happening at the na- na- national level. And uh, this, this message, I trust, is going to be a great encouragement to each of us, uh, especially if you're kind of thinking like, man, does my vote really count? Can I make a difference in the community? You know, all, all these things. So we're, we're going to be kind of addressing that today as we, as we talk about uh, this message, the impact of one person. The impact of one person is, is today's message. Uh, and the big idea is God can use you. Oh, you know what? We forgot to be thankful, Charlton. We forgot to be thankful. Can we be thankful real quick? I mean, I'm doing the three weeks. Of th- Is anyone else doing the three weeks of Thanksgiving, thanking God for 30 things every day? Anybody? A couple of people or, or trying? Or, I mean, but, but my goodness, it's been so encouraging. Meeting. But, but let's, let's get a quick reminder to be thankful as we're leading up to Thanksgiving. Nick, you want to get the lights in the back there? Who feels better already? Man, I feel better already. That was great. I felt like dancing. It's like... Yeah. I actually really, I actually really love dancing. A little, little secret about your pastors, Bob and myself. You should see us tear it up on dance floors at wedding dances, man. It's a, 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 sight, a sight to be seen. So <laughs> Bob's like, what? Are you talking about me? <laughs> anyway... Um, so the big idea today is that God can use you, and I'm so thankful for that. I've been through many times in my life where I've doubted, like, man, do I really have anything to offer? You know, just different stages I've been through, and 
Um, and over the years, God has, has refined me and he's shown me what I'm good at, shown me what I'm not so good at. And then I, and I, I give him, I give him what I have and, uh, just encourage each of us in that as well. So let's, let's pray once again, that God would speak to us and, and use us today. Father, we humbly come before you, Lord, we are imperfect, sinful, fallen human beings, uh, that have been saved by your grace, your great mercy that you've shed on us, Lord. We thank you for making salvation possible, even up on the thankfulness video there, that the miracle of salvation, it really is a miracle, Lord. None of us, none of us deserve to go to heaven. We've all sinned greatly against you. We're all guilty of breaking your commandments, and, and we deserve to go to hell. And yet you sent your son to make a way. Oh, Lord, I'm so thankful for my salvation. Lord, I pray that today you'd encourage each of us, you'd inspire us, that yes, you can and you want to use each person in this room for great things for you, Lord, to build your kingdom. Each of us has a part to play. Each of us has a role that we've been given. And Lord, I pray you'd speak to each of us. What, what can I do to use the gifts that you've given me to make an impact on the community that you've put me in, that we would indeed be salt and light in our community, putting our faith into action in this church, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, Scripture is filled with uh, examples of the difference one person can make when God works through them. Some of the more familiar ones we've probably heard of, uh, Abraham became the father of a great nation, right? We've all, Father Abraham had many sons, and their father Abraham, okay? <laughs> he became a great nation. Joseph, Joseph rose to power and rescued not only Egypt, but many surrounding nations from a seven-year famine. He was the second greatest leader in the world at that time, second only to Pharaoh. And God raised him up because of the wisdom that he gave him to save, to save that, uh, that nation. Uh, Queen Esther, we've heard of Queen Esther with bravery. She saved the nation of Israel from genocide. Wow. Pretty, pretty, you know, we, we hear of these great Bible heroes that do these great things. But those are all the, the bigger than life names from scripture. People with wealth and power and position. So what about the average Joes and Janes? Is the same power available for the no-names? The little people that nobody really knows. Can one person from their small corner of the country really save a nation or impact their community? Some of you might even be thinking, man, I'm just... I'm just a mom that changes diapers and teaches my kids. I can't make an impact on my community. Man, I'm just an empty nester that, you know, my days have kind of gone, and I'm just, you know, waiting for Jesus to come back. You know, some of us might be thinking that. I, I, I don't know. You know, everyone's, everyone's at a different place. But let me tell you, uh, God loves using the weak to shame the strong, and he does it mightily to bring glory to himself. Let me introduce you to Shamgar. Shamgar, we read a verse about him just a little bit ago. Uh, it's likely that most of us have never heard the name, or if you have, it didn't really make a big impression. After all, the Bible mentions him only twice, and both times uh, it's in the book of Judges. Okay? So his, his name is only mentioned in two verses in the entire Bible. You know, what's interesting is that uh, in the book of Judges, the, the, the first judge that is mentioned is Othniel. Othniel is given a, a five-verse section that talks about him. The second judge is Ehud. And Ehud is given a 19-verse section that talks about him. The third judge, Shamgar, there is a one-verse section that talks about him. 
and then, and then later he's, he's referenced in Deborah's song, and that's it. But like when it actually talks about Shamgar, one verse, just one verse, which Austin already read for us this morning. Uh, but his example provides three powerful keys for how one person can save a nation, how one person can save a nation and impact their community. So let's take a look at that verse again, Judges 3.31. So after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. Some of you might be thinking, oh, so what? Well, there's a lot in this verse that we, that we need to unpack. Uh, first of all, let's take a look at uh, some pictures here. So here's some diagrams of what that could have looked like, the best that our artists could, could kind of show. So there's, there's Shamgar fighting off the Philistines. I like the one in the upper right corner the best myself, just like, yeah! <laughs> you know, we, we, let's get him with my ox code. Well, and we'll talk more about an ox code in a little bit. The second verse that talks about him is Judges chapter 5, verse 6. So this is just uh, two chapters later uh, where, where Deb, Deborah is, is the current judge. And she's singing this song. And she says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. Now, there's a lot of important information in there I'm going to talk about in one moment. But just, just as, a, as a little aside to point this out, Okay, so we're talking about Shamgar, but who's, who's Jael? Well, let me tell you who Jael was. Jael was another one of those no-name, insignificant people that no one would ever think would amount to anything. But guess what? Jael had a tent, she had some milk, she had a hammer, and she had a tent peg, and she used it. She used it to glorify God. Some of you are thinking, what are you talking about? Well, we're diving deep into the Bible today, Christians. Get out your Bible and read Judges sometime. I'm, I'm in Judges chapter 4, but just as a quick synopsis, uh, so, so this is after Shamgar is gone, but uh, the, the Canaanites are invading. The commander of the army is Sisera. He's got 900 ironclad chariots that he's using to oppress, and it says cruelly, it says he, he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years with these 900 chariots. So just this wicked nation that is oppressing Israel. Of course, they rebelled against God and went after other gods and worshiped to them. And God said, okay, now I'm going to keep my promise and you guys are going to pay the piper for, uh, for turning away from me, uh, just like this nation is. But uh, anyway, long story short, uh, Sisera, the commander, is fleeing away. And then he comes to this tent and he's seeking refuge. And then J- Jael comes out. This lady says, oh, turn aside and hear my Lord. And I, I won't do you any any harm, you know, do, do not be afraid. So he goes in, he's like, oh, and he's just exhausted. Please give me a little water to drink. But what does he give her instead? She gives him a skin of milk for a drink, okay? What does milk do to someone who's already really exhausted? Put, puts, you, puts you to sleep. Anybody falling asleep out here? <laughs> no milk for you. <laughs> uh, but but milk, milk makes people fall asleep, right? And then, while Sisera, this wicked commander of this army, is sleeping, she goes up with a tent peg and the hammer and drives a tent peg right through his skull and, and ends this wicked man's life and helps, helps deliver Israel. So, even, <laughs> even someone that's got some milk and a hammer and tent peg can, can do great things to help deliver a nation. Anyway, so that's the significance of why Shamgar and Jael are mentioned in this verse. But the point of this verse, the point of this verse Here's the question, why, why were the highways deserted during this time? Well, 
It's because the people were fearful. The land was in chaos. Uh, if, if we look in Judges uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, there, there was plunderers, okay? This, this was part of the penalty, part of the punishment of them turning away from God. So it says, yep, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them. It's like the Greek word antitasso, which means to set oneself against. You know what it says? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That, that word oppose in, in 1 Peter is antitasso, which is the Greek word to set oneself against. Let me tell you, Christian, you do not want God fighting against you. You will lose every time you'll lose. And so the hand of the Lord was set against them. For harm, as the, as the Lord had warned, he, he warned them, if you turn away to other gods, you will face the consequences. And as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. So that's one thing that's going on. There's plunderers rampant, and then the hand of the Lord uh, is against them. So that's why, that's why they're not on the highways. They're going on the, the less busy roads, so they're not getting hijacked and killed and their things stolen, etc. But then when we look at Judges 21, verse 25, so this is the very last verse of the book of Judges, it gives us another reason. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, everyone, everyone just did as they saw fit. There was no king. They did what was right in their own eyes, and they followed their own truth rather than God's. Sound familiar? People following their own truth instead of God's. We see it in the public schools. We see it at school board meetings. We see it with our politicians. We see it with churches. Following their own truth rather than God's. And so, seeing the chaos and weakness of the nation of Israel, the Philistines invaded and attacked. But Shamgar struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat. He saved Israel. So what do we learn from this example? Well, there's three important things. And if you're following along in your bulletin, here's where the, here's where the blanks start. So here's number one. So just, just three, three main points here today on how one person can impact their community. How can one person impact their community? And, and I hope by the time I share these three points that you will be very encouraged that, yes, God can use you no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, no matter what your giftings are or the skills that you think you do or don't have. God, God can use you. So number one, how can, God, how can one person impact their community? Start where you are. Start where you are. We have to start where we are. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We, we need to give ourselves an honest assessment. What, 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 am I, what am I able to do in regard to the temperament God's given me, the skills and abilities, uh, my, my age, my physicality, how much time do I have, energy, money, resources? Um, you know, we have to ask ourselves these questions and, and give ourselves an honest opinion. You know, some of us think, think we can do way more than we should be doing. We think we're some pretty, some pretty hot stuff. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And then, and then other people are like, man, I can't do anything. So, you know, so, so we, we, have, we have to find a good balance. Not, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but also to realize that God's given each of us a different, a different measure 
uh, of faith. Uh, Matthew 25, 15, this is Jesus, the, the parable of the talents. Uh, to, to one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Je Jesus knows how much we can handle. He knows what we're capable of. of, of. You know, would anyone, <laughs> you know, expect my, my son Josiah to come up here and give a 30-minute sermon. No, he, you know, he just doesn't have that skill set yet. Although at our biblical citizenship class, Rick Green's nine-year-old son came up and recited like quite a bit of the Declaration of Independence. It's like, wow, that was impressive. But I mean, yeah, but e even children are capable of more uh, than we think oftentimes. You know, when, when I was a music teacher, I, I taught uh, elementary music, K through five, and, and every year we'd put on a a Christmas program, but you can't say Christmas, you have to say holiday. And I think that even got, had to get changed to winter or whatever, but we still did, we, we still did plays, you know, like Twas the Night Before Christmas and Christmas on Candy Cane Lane and nobody ever questioned me on it. But, uh, but w like we would literally put on the best element, second grade music program in town. Like people would come and be like, how do you get the kids to do that? They're having so much fun. They're singing, that, that, you know, moving around. And I would just tell them because I expect them to. I tell them like, and that's how we would always start. That's how we would always start our, our Christmas program season. And I'd tell the second graders, okay, who wants to put on the best second grade Christmas program in Grand Forks? Says, me, 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 me. All right, do exactly what I tell you to do. And it's going to be the best. You guys are going to be awesome. And, and I drill them. We'd work and work and work. And it was, it was, for me, it was so much fun. And just to see the kids having fun. And a lot of the people that came, they said, we had more fun watching you, Mr. Letvin, than the kids. Because I'm doing all the actions with them, you know, like, this is, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh man, if you guys could see some videos of me from that. Uh, anyway, but people are capable of much more uh, th than we think, e even ourselves. So back to, back to Shamgar here. So, uh, so we're told that Shamgar used an ox goad to strike down or, or kill 600 Philistines. So if you don't know what an ox goad is, we've got some pictures up here. It's, it's a farming tool. There's a guy that's actually using it. There's some other uh, different options of of uh, pictures I found, but basically uh, on, on one end, it's, it's a sharp spike like a spear and it's used to, to move the, the plowing oxen along, to, pr to prod them along. Okay, and then the other end was a chisel-like tool that was used to break up the rocks as they tilled up the soil. So why is it important to know this? Well, it tells us that Shamgar was not yet a judge. Um, and it's interesting because if you look in Judges Judges 3, chapter 9, where it talks about Othniel, it says, the Lord raised up a deliverer. And then it talks about Othniel. And then if you look, if you look in Judges chapter 3, verse 15, it says, the Lord raised up another deliverer, Ehud. But then it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that about Shamgar, that the Lord raised up Shamgar. So, so one, one could come to the conclusion that perhaps he wasn't quite a judge yet at this point in time, because it didn't say that the Lord had raised him up yet. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a little, little uncertain, but uh, fact of the matter is, you know, he, he, was, he really wasn't anything special at this point in time other than a simple fa farmer. Now, now I, immediately, I, I am so thankful for our farmers. We, we have to have farmers. We have to have food to eat. Farmers are awesome. But a lot of people think like, oh, I'm just a farmer. I can't fight 600. You know, I'm, I'm not a warrior. Okay. So he, he was a farmer, but he started where he was. He started where he was as, as a farmer. He saw a need. We got 600 Philistines invading our nation. Someone's got to do something about this. Well, I've got this ox code. Let's go to, let's go to battle. You know, so he, he, he saw a need and he took action to make a difference in his nation. Now, remember, 
uh, David was a shepherd and not yet a trained warrior. He, he did become a trained warrior later in life. But when he fought Goliath, he wasn't, he wasn't a trained warrior. He was just a shepherd. 1 Samuel 17, verses 38 through, through 40. Then, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped the sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff. He knows how to use that. Used it quite a bit out in the prairies. Yep. In his hand. And he chose five, five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. He, he used what, what he knew how to use, where God had him at that point in life. Everyone else was expecting, we need a mighty warrior to go fight. Put on this shield, put on this armor, grab that sword, go fight that giant. That's, that's not who I am. I'm just a shepherd. So I'm going to use, I'm going to use my tools as a shepherd. And what happened? He, he killed, we know the story. He killed Philist, the, the Philistine. So that's another important reminder for us is that, is that we, we must know our limits and we must know ourselves. You have to know your limits and you have to know yourself. In fact, we, we must know ourselves that we may know God and his vision for us. We have to know ourselves first. There's a quote by Augustine wrote in his work, Confessions from AD 400. And Augustine says this, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? He prayed, grant Lord that I may know myself that I may know thee. If we really want to get to know God, we, we, have, we have to know ourselves as well. And, 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 that, and that goes back to what I preached on a number of Sundays ago, practicing the daily office, being still, shut off all the sounds. Who, who, who are you as a person? What are you, what are you passionate about? How has God gifted you? We, we've got to take that time to be silent before the Lord, to still ourselves so we can know who we are. And then we get to know who God is as he speaks to us during that time. And then we can go off and use what he's given us and made us to be. Part of practicing the Sabbath as well. That, that's, that's how we get to know God and to know ourselves. Number two. So first we have to start where we are. Number two, we, ha we have to have a vision. Ha have a vision is number two. Have a vision is number two. Look at this. We've got another verse out of Habakkuk. Like I preached out of last Sunday. Some of you guys remember. Here's another, another good one. Uh, ha ha Habakkuk chapter two, verses two through three. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. So it's good for us to write down, you know, what's, what's the vision for your life? What's the vision for your family? What's the vision for your community, it's, et cetera? Ha, you know, co companies have, uh, have visions and mission statements and goals, et cetera. Uh, it's, it's good for us to do that as well. Shamgar started where he was as a farmer, but he, but he was a man of vision. You, you have to start where you are, but you've got to have a vision for what God wants to do with you. What does God want to do with you? If your answer is, I don't know, you need to spend some more time in silence before God and start asking that, God, how, how would you use me? What, how do you want to, what's your vision for my life? So, so what is vision? Uh, all kinds of definitions, but here's one that I liked. So a vision is simply this. It's, it's a picture of your future that creates passion in you. It's a vision of your future that creates passion in you. In you, so like, how has God wired you? What are you excited about? You know, and, and people ask me, you know, why have I gotten so involved in, uh, you know, 
things in our community, meeting other politicians, things like that, because I know that this, the decisions that they're making are going to impact the future of my children in the, in the world that they live in. I mean, all, all of us see that here. We've got grandparents, we, we, parents, grandparents, and we see the, the direction this nation is going, and it's absolutely terrifying. Like, the, the America that my children are currently growing up in right now is much different than the one I grew up in, in the 1980s and, and early, early 90s. It's, it's changed so much. And, and uh, so, so my vision, like, man, I, I want to have a place where my, where my children can have the same uh, freedoms, the same relationship with the Lord I've had, et cetera. You know, really, really my vision is I, I want to hear Jesus tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. That, that's what I want to hear him say. Um, in fact, let's, let's skip to that verse right now. Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. How many people here would like to hear that when they enter the pearly gates someday? When Jesus comes back? About half of us? That's pretty good. But, okay. So, the, 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 the rest of <laughs> better than I expected. No. The rest of us are like, you, you wicked servant. You took it. <laughs> who wants to hear that? When they, you wicked servant. You buried the talent they gave you. Like, yeah. uh, court of, I, I would hope all of us would want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with what I gave you. You were, you were a good steward. And you managed it well. So, okay, yeah, so let, let's hear it. So who wants to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when they see Jesus? Hey, there we go. Okay. That, much better. Hey, we're, we're learning. See, we're making progress. See, God can use you. Um, but but that's, that's what I want to, that's my vision. I want to know that I did everything that I could. I said everything that I could to build God's kingdom, to bring him glory, that I was active, that I, I, I wasn't lazy, I wasn't complacent, I wasn't apathetic, I wasn't a passerby, I didn't just watch my life pass before my eyes, I did something. We even sang that. Refuse to waste our lives. We sang those words in build, the kingdom, build your kingdom here. And, and, it's, and it's, it's daily choices. It's daily choices of the direction that we want to go. If we want to hear God say those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So do you, do you have that kind of vision for your life, for your family, for your career, for your community? Now, if we take a look at Judges 2, chapter 10, look at this. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Okay, so this is after Joshua passed away. And then this happens. And then guess what happens right after Judges 2, 10? They turn away from the Lord. They go worship other gods. And then they start suffering because God turns his hand against them. Why did another generation raise up that did not know the Lord or the work that he had done? Why didn't they know? Nobody told them. Their parents didn't teach them. And here we have children that have no clue of the story of bulletproof George Washington, who was shot dozens of times, had four bullet holes in his uniform and was unscathed. They have no clue about Reverend Thomas Price, who prayed that God would stop, a, stop the French uh, armada that was coming and a huge storm came up. There, there's so many stories where God showed his hand of providence over this nation that the kids aren't being taught in school. There's children in Christian homes and their parents aren't teaching them the stories of the Bible. They don't even know who Joseph is or Abraham, let alone Shamgar that we're talking about today. A lot of us have probably never even heard of Shamgar, right? 
But my goodness, uh, there, there's, there's people, they don't know the great things that God has done, how he parted the Red Sea. And, and we, we need to teach these things to our, to our children. Uh, I, I've even, and even better yet, te- teaching, teaching stories to our children of how God has provided for us. You know, and I, I've shared with my, with my kids, like, yeah, there was, there was a couple times I remember growing up and uh, I was running so, so short on money, I knew that if I wrote out my tithe check for church, I wouldn't have enough money to pay my rent. And I trusted God and I paid my tithe and lo and behold, someone slipped an envelope of like enough money. It was a lot of money to me back then. And I was able to pay my rent without having to ask for a loan from uh, my, my roommate that was in charge of that. And God, God provided for me. I, I trusted him. You know, and, I, and I share these stories with my kids so that they can know that the God of hosts, the God of Israel is real. He's alive. He's active. And he's working in each of us today. So we, we, we must, parents, grandparents, we must have that vision for the next generation. Or we're going to have a generation like we have now that has no clue the great things God has done. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. If we don't have a vision for our lives, woohoo, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Party. Okay. And then you get to the end of your life. And you think, man, I just wasted my life. What a sad thing. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I've really met anybody in that position. Maybe you guys have, but some people are like, and, and I know one of the biggest things that, I, I, at least with my grandparents and other people, you know, that, that people say on their deathbed is like, man, I, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids or more time with my family. You know, these, these things that we, let, let, let's, not, let's not be regretful when we get to the end of our lives and say, you know what? I lived my life for God and I did everything I could to teach my kids, to teach the next generation, to build his kingdom, to be a faithful servant. That, that, that should be our, our vision. And lastly, uh, number three, we need to use what we have. Use what you have. Use what you have. Romans chapter 12, verse six. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, and then it goes on and describes each of the, each of the gifts. But the fact is, we, we all have gifts. Use them. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Each of us are good at something. Each of us have different gifts. We've got different talents. We've got abilities. We need to use it to serve according to God's grace. Uh, Galatians 5.13, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. And Christians, we have more freedoms in this nation than any other nation in the world. And they're slowly being stripped away from us. And we need to use these freedoms and we need to fight for them. Um, to, to be honest, like, and I've talked about this with some of you, I, I won't be surprised the day comes where I get arrested for, for preaching truth, for preaching against um, the atrocities of our society because our, our freedoms are slowly being taken away. We, and we, we, must, we must continue to use them and use them to serve others. Let's not use our freedoms to, to just be lazy and sit back and like, yep, I live in this country that God's been so good in. Well, guess what? Uh, 
things are changing very quickly. As, as Pastor Bob uh, prayed not too long ago, or last time he spoke, you know, instead of praying, God bless America, we're now praying, God save America. You know, God, God has blessed this nation richly, and we've squandered it, and we've sinned against him greatly. 50 years of murdering helpless pre-born children? You don't think that's going to have some consequences? Absolutely it's going to. And we're, we are starting to face the judgment of God, church. And even after seeing what happened this last week, I'm thinking, you know what? God is right and just to bring this country to their knees in whatever methods he needs to do it. And he's, he is just and righteous in doing that. I'll admit it. And my goodness, uh, if we don't start using our freedoms, using our gifts now, uh, they're, they're going to be gone. We're going to be sitting in jail. We're going to be... Who knows what? Uh, but yeah, now, now is the time, Christians. If you ever thought, you know, coach, <laughs> when, I, when do I get to go in the game? Well, right now, we, we need all the players we can get. Get off, get off the bench. Anyway, uh, an ox goad may not seem like the ideal weapon uh, to defeat 600 invading warriors, and that's because it, it, it isn't. But that's what Shamgar had, and he knew how to use it. So, so we have to use what we have. Um, he had likely wielded that farming tool for years. Uh, he, he was skilled in its use. Maybe he even used it uh, to ward off wild animals, most likely. Uh, the point is that when, when the time came for him to act, he used what he had. <clears throat> he didn't lament his lack of weapons or run from the fight because conditions weren't perfect. He wasn't standing there. Oh, I don't have a sword, I don't have a shield, I don't have a, no, I can't do anything to fight these Philistines. No, he, he took what he had. He took what he had. Just, just like, just like Jael, the, the woman, she didn't think, man, I don't have a, I don't have a knife or sword to cut this evil guy's head off, Sisera, but she, she used what she had. Hey, I've got this tent, I'll let him rest, I've got some milk, I've got a hammer, and I've got a tent peg. That'll work. And she used it. She killed him. And a, and, a, and a wicked man was taken out. Now remember, this guy, this guy was cruelly oppressing Israel with his 900 iron chariots. And she, she used what she had. Uh, think about, um, man, how did this not make it in the PowerPoint? Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, Matthew, okay, this is supposed to be Matthew 14, 16 through 17. I didn't change. It says, that's not the right reference. I apologize. So Ma Matthew 14, verses 16 through 17. Um, but Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And then the disciples, they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. We only got five loaves and two fish, Jesus. We can't do anything with that. What does he say? Bring them to me and watch this. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that. He's probably thinking, maybe he did. You know, just watch this, disciples. Watch what I can do with your five loaves and your two fish. And what did he do? He fed 5,000 people. Can you imagine the disciples going around? And I, I imagine it happened like this. Maybe they got a loaf of bread. They tear a piece off and boom, it regenerates. Boom. I mean, they, they would have been laughing like, whoa, look at this. We're feeding all these people. They got, and we only had five loaves and two fish. And look how Jesus multiplied it. Where's your five loaves? Where's your two fish? Jesus is telling you right now, bring it to me and watch what I can do with it. Watch what I can do. Shamgar looked at what he had in his hand and he put it to use to save the nation. He used that ox code. So in conclusion, yes, we are living in chaotic, fearful times. People all around us have decided to do what seems right 
in their own eyes. They've rejected God's principles, his truth. You may not be a person of great power or influence or wealth. Maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like a shamgar, this little unknown person. But God can still use you to do great things. So start where you are, ask God to give you a vision, and then use what you have to make that vision a reality. Our nation needs men. We really need men to step up and start acting like men. Uh, We need women, just as much like you, who will take a stand for their faith, defend their freedom to live according to God's principles, and love others the way that Jesus loves them. We need those men and women right now, today. That's how you will make a difference in your family, at your job, in your community, and in this great nation. God will bless you as you stand firm in God's word. He will. So once again, the big idea, God, God can use you. God can use you. God can use you. He can use you. And you, you, you. God can use you. God can use you. Uh, don't forget tonight, uh, there's a new location for the prayer meeting. So that if you're, ju- just for tonight, temp- temporary new location, temporary. Uh, so, so there's the address up there if you want to come pray at 630. Won't, won't be, yes, yeah, it's, it's got a turquoise door. So if you're driving along, you'll, like in a neighborhood. there you go. So, you'll, yeah, it's Rachel's house. <laughs> but yeah, you'll see it. So, all right, please pray with me. We'll, we'll close with one song. Father, we just thank you for this time. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you would use us just as we are, that we'd give you what we have, we'd uh, accept where we are in life, that we would have a vision, Lord. We pray that you'd give each of us a vision today, Lord. What is your vision for our lives? And that we would use, uh, use what we have to serve you, to bless you. Oh, Lord, we pray that you'd save this nation, Lord. We pray that each of us here, no matter what happens in our future, that we would be able to say, Yep, uh, I have no regrets. I, I put my faith into action. I was salt and light. Uh, and we hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.